This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. I love this story about Ronald Reagan. thought since the election is Tuesday, I'll talk about a president, Ronald Reagan. He was recalling an occasion when he was governor of California and he made a speech in Mexico City. After I finished speaking, he said, I sat down to a rather unenthusiastic applause, just, you know, polite applause, two or three people applauding. He said, I was a little embarrassed. The speaker who followed me spoke in Spanish, which I didn't understand, but he was being applauded about every paragraph. To hide my embarrassment, I started clapping before everyone else and longer than anyone else, anticipating the applause so he would get in on it. Finally, the ambassador leaned over to him and said, Sir, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He's interpreting your speech. Some of you get it later. And he was applauding his own message. I know ministers who applaud their own messages in a very literal sense. And today we're going to look at something that's a passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul refers to himself not as an apostle, not as a leader in the church. He said, I am a servant. I am a servant to the body of Christ. I want to share this with you. I found this hard to believe. David and I both knew probably one of the smartest, most intelligent minister I ever knew was Leroy Lawson. Preached in Mesa, Arizona. He preached in Indianapolis. Now he preaches in Johnson City, Tennessee as an interim minister. But he quotes a mother who wrote a letter to her son to encourage him to become a minister because she said, and I quote, the work's easy. The social status is good. And get this, you don't really have to believe in God. I thought I misread it, and I read it again. You need to go in the ministry because the work is easy, the social status is good, and you don't really have to believe in God. The Apostle Paul would have shuddered if he read that, that remark. There's nothing easy about going to a house as I did on Friday and be with a family when dad died, husband died, and to share that precious, sacred moment with them. And by the way, and it's with their permission I share this, one of the holiest moments I've ever shared with the family was at Dick Smith's house as wife, Pat, and the three children were standing around their dad as he passed and took his last breath. And I was off to the side, and I was amazed at how they prayed prayers of thanksgiving, each one of them, for their dad. God, thank you for what he meant to me. They all three quoted scripture. I got up and said, this has been a holy moment. This has been a holy moment, but there's nothing easy about that is my point. And you don't really have to believe in God. Well, I want you to read with me from Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 7, a humble servant of God. I became a servant of this gospel, Paul says, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach 
to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the boundless riches of Christ. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Some of you came to church today, you didn't know it, just to hear that verse, that you can approach God with freedom and confidence. And I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Crosshope.org I want to talk to you about Paul's attitude toward himself. He called himself a humble servant. Go back to verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. The key word in that verse is the word grace. Grace means unmerited favor. It means something you and I don't deserve. I have a question for you today. What grace have you experienced in your life at the hand of God? You say, well, I don't know if I have. Yes, you have. You know what it's called? Being here today is a grace. Being still alive today is a grace. It's a gift. Every day is a gift of God, and tomorrow is a gift that we haven't received yet. I know I've said it before because I say it often at funerals. I marvel at men and women and young people who talk about, now five years from now, we're going to do this. In 10 years, we plan to do this. In 15 years or 20 years, we're going to do this. And Anything evil about planning? No. But the book of James says, you don't even know if you've got tomorrow. There's something presumptuous about saying, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that because I've decided that's what I'm going to do. And Paul says, I'm a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. What has God's grace enabled you to do? And you say, do you mean like sing? Do you mean to preach? Do you mean to do this and do that for the church? No, I, I mean grace to forgive somebody. Some of you need grace to forgive a person in your life, and you know it. Some of you need grace in your heart and in your spirit to forgive a son or daughter, to forgive a brother or sister, to forgive a parent. You do need grace. I was reading an article with great interest years ago, Three Causes of Depression in Children. And you know what I thought would be number one? Didn't even make the top three. The death of a parent didn't even make number one. But the three causes of depression in children, family violence, number one. Isn't that interesting? Family violence, number two, the mental illness of a parent, and number three, divorce. Those are the things that cause depression. And I want to suggest to you that some of you have gone through those. And what is it that helps you survive? The grace of God. We all survive the ordeals of life through the grace of God, or not at all. Have you ever thought about that? We need to live for something bigger than ourselves Paul David Tripp writes, there is woven inside of each of us a desire for something more, a craving to be a part of something bigger, greater, and more profound than our meaningless day-to-day existence. That longing to be part of something more in your life, it's God-given. God gives you that desire, and He fills it with His grace. I talked to a woman years ago from Columbus, Ohio, on the phone, who suffered a great deal of abuse as a child. 
physical abuse, not sexual abuse, but physical abuse. And she poured out her story to me, and it was very fascinating to hear it. But here's what she said. Randy, I've learned to see the gift in the wound. I'd never heard anybody say that before. I've learned to see the gift in the wound. Meaning what? Meaning that even though she had been wounded physically and emotionally, she said, I've learned to see God's gift. What's that called? Grace. Well, tomorrow is Veterans Day. It's a coincidence, but it's a powerful story for veterans tomorrow on Crossope as we continue. Crossope.org. I don't know if any of you, I never saw the movie. I, I wanted to see a movie that was out in the last year or two about World War II called Dunkirk. Anybody see it? Several of you saw it. Okay. I'm familiar with the story of Dunkirk because it's an unbelievable story. It's an illustration of grace. It really is. Daryl Dash is a minister from Toronto, Canada, who talks about Dunkirk. He said, if you ever go to the south coast of England, I hope you get a chance to stare out over the English Channel and imagine what happened there in the spring of 1940. Hitler had the Allied forces in a corner and was getting ready to invade Great Britain. His troops were closing in on the Allies in what was going to be an easy kill. Get this, there were nearly a quarter million young British soldiers and over 100,000 Allied troops facing capture or death. And the Royal Navy could only save a fraction, just a fraction of that number. But here's what he tells. This is a powerful story that some of you saw portrayed in the movie, I'm sure. But a bizarre fleet of ships appeared on the horizon of the English Channel. Trawlers, tugs, fishing sloops, lifeboats, sailboats, pleasure craft, an island ferry named Gracie Fields, and even the America's Cup Challenger Endeavor, all manned by civilian sailors, sped to the rescue. The ragtag armada eventually rescued 338,682 men and returned them home to the shores of England as pilots of the Royal Air Force jockeyed with the German Luftwaffe in the skies above the Channel. It was one of the most remarkable naval operations in history. It didn't involve warships. It didn't involve destroyers. It involved trawlers and pleasure craft, rowboats, so to speak. And for those few days, they were more than trawlers and fishing boats. They could put up with all kinds of trials because they had a purpose. And Daryl Dash says this. this is, I read all of that just to read this sentence. You can have the same thing happen in your life. It's the gospel of Christ that gives us purpose that we're part of something much bigger than even our trials. God can use you, friends. Don't waste your life. Be a part of what He's doing. Be a part of what He's doing. Here's my point. The people that were rescued, hundreds of thousands were rescued by average boats. Nothing powerful, nothing magical. A lot of them not that fast as boats, but they were used. You say, what's your point? The grace of God can use you. And the grace of God can use me to do what you couldn't do on your own. That's what grace is. It leads us to do what we couldn't do. Remember, Paul was a persecutor of the church. 
Paul probably had people killed. And yet God used him through his grace, not through Paul's talent, but through God's grace, to be a, a missionary to the, the world, a missionary to the world. I want to jump all the way down to verse 12, the verse I said some of you came to hear today. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I said some of you came today to hear that. Let me tell you why. Some of you have people in your family you can't even approach with freedom and confidence. And you know what I mean. You have people in your family or extended family, you have neighbors, you can't approach them at all. But you can go to God the Father, the creator of the universe, with freedom and confidence. Some of you have people in your family you can't even approach with freedom and confidence. And you know what I mean. You have people in your family or extended family, you have neighbors, you can't approach them at all. But you can go to God, the Father, the creator of the universe, with freedom and confidence. Occasionally, I will have conversations with people where I say, are you praying about this issue? Annie and I both have had people say this. I don't want to bother God with that request. And I always want to say, Everything you do bothers God. Everything that's going on in your life is small change. Everything in my life is small change. But we have been told we can approach God with freedom and confidence, which means what? There is nothing, underline the word nothing, there's nothing that you can't go to the Lord and ask God to bless you and to pray for something. There's nothing in your life that's so small change that the Lord says, why in the world is he or she bringing that to my attention? I got more important things to think about. No, we approach him with freedom and we approach him with confidence and prayer. That may help somebody's prayer life today. I really believe that. In him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Let me share this story with you. Some of you remember Ray Steadman. He was a radio preacher for years. He died in the 90s. He talks about a letter he got, and he quotes the letters, powerful letter, from somebody who was a regular listener to his program. It was a guy who had to drive 95 miles to work every day. That's a long drive, 95 miles to work and 95 miles at home. And he would listen to Ray in one of those time frames. He said, this was the year that the Lord revealed himself to me in a most remarkable way. Last year, I lost a substantial part of my life savings in a fraudulent business deal. This year, a deteriorating trend continued with my health and my job. Then came the word that my daughter's marriage was breaking up. It all coincided to bring me to a new low. Isn't that an interesting expression? Well, everything came together to just bring me to a no low. Some of you have been there and done that. I was really hurting. Everything seemed to be going wrong, and I was in a state of total despair. At this point, he said, I cried out, where are you, God? Help me. He answered by prayer gloriously, and I was filled with assurance. My troubles didn't disappear. I'm still able to cope with them. But my understanding of God has expanded. I am joyous. It was totally the gift of God. 
I do give thanks also to friends who knew my plight, and although they didn't know how bad it was, they were praying for me, which is very effective. And there was the radio ministry of Christian Broadcast, which I would listen to every day, 95 miles each way, traveling to and from work. I thank God that He is showing me how life is meant to be lived, and my desire now is to live it His way, regardless of outward circumstances. And then he underlined in his letter, I know that my Redeemer lives. Why do I share that letter? It's all about the grace of God. There was nothing that he had or possessed within himself that could solve his problems, just like with you and just like with me. Got a little surprise for some people today. You're not the answer to all your problems. You're not, neither am I. It's only the Lord God Almighty. Well, part five of this program is tomorrow on Cross Hope. I want you to make a special effort, if you can, to listen to part five tomorrow on crosshope.org, crosshope.org. Some of you know who Max Lucado is. Max Lucado has written more books currently than anybody I know. And Max said that when he has conversations with people, I guess when you write a lot of books, you can be bold. He asks this question of men and women all the time. Do you think you'll go to heaven? And he said, you know what the most common response is when he asked that question? It's kind of surprised me. He said, everybody gives their list. Isn't that interesting? I don't drink too much. I don't smoke too much. I don't go to too many parties. I don't do this and do that. I don't take too many drugs. And he said, everybody has a list of why they should go to heaven, and it has nothing to do with your list or mine. It has to do with the cross, the cross of Christ, and what he accomplished. Will you go to heaven? It has everything to do with Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It has everything to do with the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Friday, when I was with the family, when Dick passed away, and again, she said, if you want to share any of this, you can. Two boys, two grown sons and a daughter on their knees around their dad's bed in the family room, praying, thanking God for his life, thanking God for his ministry to them as children. I hope you and I are that lucky. And that fortunate to have children gather around our bedside and say, God, thank you for my dad. Thank you for my mom. Thank you for what they meant to my life and how they led me spiritually. And you say, well, doesn't everybody do that? No, guess again, they don't. The most popular story, and I'll close with this, the most popular story that Jesus ever told has to be the parable of the prodigal son. That story has been told more than any other story, in my opinion, than any other story in the Bible. More preachers have given messages about the parable of the prodigal son. And I've noticed that as people age, they identify with different people in the story. Some of you identify with the prodigal son, because that's you. You were the prodigal son or daughter, meaning what? You, you went away from the Lord, so to speak. And some even older people identify with the prodigal. With some people, they identify with the father. 
the father who's reaching out to a son to come home. And that's a phase that you could be going through in life. But you know what? Nobody ever tells you this. The person that people identify with the most is the elder brother. Well, who does he think he is to come home? Well, who does my younger brother think he is to ask for forgiveness? He's been a loser. He's been a wastrel. He's, he's done all this. And now he comes home and wants dad to forgive him. And dad says, welcome, son. And dad, I don't know if you've ever noticed this detail of the story. When the prodigal son comes home, it says the father did what? He ran out to meet him. You say, what's the big deal there? That wasn't proper etiquette. If anybody was going to do the running, it would be the younger son running to the father. But the father ran out, and that's a parable of the love and the grace of God who welcomed his son and said, the son of mine was dead, but now he's alive. Remember recently, Paul in Ephesians said, you were once dead in your sins and transgressions, but now you're made alive in Christ. That's the choice. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries Incorporated.